Hello and welcome to episode 268 of Built on Passion. I'm your host, Matt Delabono, and this week we have on the U.S. marketing manager, Drew Akins. Hestra is a family-owned glove manufacturer that has helped define what makes a high-quality performance glove. It's no secret that Hestra is considered one of the bigger players in the world of outdoor sports. With being in business for over a century, it's safe to say that they've left a serious mark, especially with snow sports, which has been their bread and butter since almost the beginning. However, despite being a recognizable brand, you might not realize where they fit in the tapestry of the outdoor sport industry. I mean, truly. And at this point, I guess fashion too. Really anything glove related. For instance, did you know that Hestra is run by two of the world's 100 true master certified glove cutters, which by the way, is a skill that's dying out. Chances are you might not have even realized that there was a glove cutting profession. Not only is Hestra a company built on rich tradition, but they've managed to still push forward and both develop and integrate new technology, paving the way for the future of technical gloves. In this episode of Built on Passion, Drew Akins shares a glimpse into Hestra's rich history, a peek behind the curtain of what actually goes into Hestra's R&D process, and the how and why behind Hestra. Drew, great to talk to you. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Happy to have you on. Excited to talk about Hestra, especially with the impending snow season coming. Absolutely. It's uh, starting to get a little cooler here in Colorado. So the, the mind is on the winter season. I envy you. We, we like, it got colder and colder and like I run hot. Sleeping is always a nightmare when it's summertime, whatever. Okay. I guess to start the easy one for the listener who's unfamiliar, who are you? Who is Drew Akins? Yeah, I am the uh, U.S. marketing manager for Hester Gloves. So I direct and manage all of the marketing activities for the brand in, in the U.S. So we have three distinct lines. So a sport line, which everyone knows us for. So ski gloves, outdoor gloves. And then we have a fashion line called our dress line, which is headquartered out in New York City. And I also do the marketing for, for that part of the business. And then we have a work glove line called Hester Job, which I do out of Arvada here in Colorado. So the sport and the job lines are operated here in Colorado in our 30,000 square foot headquarters. And then we also have a showroom for our dress business in New York. And I think the majority of people one way or the other will be familiar, even if it's in passing, but what is Hestra? Yeah. So Hestra is, I will start by saying this. I am one of the luckiest guys in this industry. I work for a company like Hestra and I get to come in every morning I know the family that I work for and I can pick up the phone and give them a call. And our Swedish counterparts have been at glove making since 1936. And so the company is founded by Martin Magnuson in 1936 in a little town called Hestra in Southern Sweden. He started by building gloves for lumberjacks and Swedish lumberjacks have, at that time, especially had a really tough go of it through the winters, dealing with just gear breaking down, being wet, dark, cold. And so he wanted to build a product that stood up to the test of those winters for those guys. And he found local leather, wool, and rivets and created our first mitts. And then a year later, the ski basin there in town opened up. It's called Isaberg. And that's in a time when Europe was getting more and more mobile. People were moving about. People were enjoying recreation more. And so we started building ski gloves the next year. And so... From 1937 until today, we've built ski products and our dress line has followed uh, in suit. So we have those three lines and they've been around for a really long time. And one of the coolest things is that we are now in the fourth generation of the Magnuson family owning the company. 
We own our own factories. We have two of the world's fewer than 100 master certified glove cutters on staff. And we only do one thing. We make gloves. And we will only ever do one thing, make gloves. We are really lucky to work for a company. And, and I say, I don't work for this company. I steward this company. I'm here for a time. I'm moving this company on into the next generation. So we really have a long-term view of things. Man, talk about poetry. That's crazy. You mentioned you work with one of the two world master certified glove cutters. What is that? What does that mean? Yeah. So glove cutting was formalized in the 17th century in France. And so out of that tradition came another tradition of being master certified, which means you apprentice under a master certified glove cutter for a number of years. You go through all of the rigorous activities involved with selecting materials, cutting materials, stretching materials, and compiling them and constructing gloves. And at the end of it, you have uh, kind of projects and, and it culminates in you becoming a master certified glove cutter. So the glove cutting art is actually a, a dying art, and it's one that we're trying to keep alive. Uh, we believe in it. We practice that from the top down. So our CEO, Anton Magnuson, is a master certified glove cutter. And so from the top down, we are trying to pay that attention to detail and to do that tradition justice. It's kind of a cool perspective. Since there's so few master glove cutters, and if it is kind of a dying thing, I guess you guys really do have a very specific and technical perspective on what you're doing. We tend to focus on, on what we do, right? And always onto the next thing. And being a heritage company, the beauty is we have a vast, vast archive of, of experiences and materials and historical challenges and, and successes to draw on. So, you know, for us, it's more about how can we contribute and how can we keep people's hands warm in any scenario. And so I think most of the time we're really looking for new users to serve and even ways to serve our existing users better. So we have 400 glove models and we're really trying with every model to pair that with a user who has a specific need, whether it's an aesthetic need, a functional need, fingertip sensitivity, warmth, waterproofing, whatever the case may be finding the right combination of materials and features to make that person's day better. And so we really focus internally, not so much externally. That is fair. It is a good point too. If you guys have the expertise and have had it for almost a full century, that, that makes sense. But looking at your R&D even, what you mentioned is you always looking how to improve seeing what you're doing. I went on your website, obviously, before we went on, and you guys have a lot of really specific categories. I mean, like down to like breaking it down further into subcategories, obviously, snow, work, and fashion, stemming off of those different sports. How do you go about figuring out R&D? Obviously, new materials come out, you work it in. Is there any specific process that helps drive what you do next? Yeah, I think a lot of it is iteration, right? And, and learning through the things that we've put out over the years and knowing that there's a trajectory and there's a progression that is natural in the line, but also sometimes we need to change lanes a little bit. You know, I think Alpine Touring is a great example. We, for a long time, we really focused on resort-specific products and the whole industry did. And over the last few years, and even with COVID, that has really sped up the process of people maybe going beyond the bounds of the resorts, getting out to the backcountry and being able to sort of ski terrain that they never have before. And so as this use has a, our use of gloves and our use of our gear and, and our perspectives on how we ski has evolved, that's led the way in terms of how we produce product, right? And so now I'll give you a great example. The fall line glove is one of our iconic gloves. If you ski at any resort ever, you have seen a fall line glove. One of our 
closest partnerships is with PSIA and AASI. And so those are the formal groups for instructors of skiing and snowboarding in the U.S. So they teach instructors how to teach. And so they are the, the first line of teaching when people enter the sport. And when we work with those teams, we work with instructors directly. And a lot of times they'll come to us and say, hey, I, I really need this from you guys. I really need that from you guys. And specifically, Chris Rogers, who is an instructor at Vail, he's a snowboarder, came to us and said, I love the fall line glove. I wear it every day, all winter long. But at the end of the day, there are a couple things I'd like to see different. So we went through a whole process, back and forth, R&D with our team, chatting through specific features. And we came out on the other side of it with a new model called the Free Ride C-Zone. And that glove is really tailored towards his needs as a snowboarder and also as an instructor. So a couple of the cool things we did, we put a waterproof membrane in there because snowboarders tend to need more waterproofing than skiers do. We tucked the seams inside the glove rather than the out seams that the fall line has. So you don't get messy with your buckles or your bindings or your hands are in the snow. You don't get that accumulation that you would get with the out seam gloves where skiers don't really need that as much. We shortened the cuff because he told us a lot of people are using smartwatches now and that's how I communicate with my instructors. So we made it more agreeable with a smartwatch by shortening the cuff. Added some reinforcements that are specific to the ways that snowboard users carry their boards, use their gloves, and, and manipulate their equipment. And so that has been a huge seller for us and a huge success story. And that's a microcosm of what we do with every single glove, right? Finding those people who are authentic in their space, using our expertise and pairing it with their needs, and then iterating every single year and figuring out how to make it better and better. That's actually funny. That was the first place I looked because I am a snowboarder. Looking at that glove, I mean, I saw some of the features. It made me realize like, huh, I never realized that this was an issue, like kind of a pain. It's like you find these like tiny details and find a way around them before anyone could even realize that they're an issue. That's incredible. Do you do the same with a lot of different sports? I'm assuming on the fashion level, obviously, like different fashion designers. Is it that community oriented or is that more uh, case by case basis? Yeah, it's, it's a little bit of both, right? So our design team is all over the world during the season, whether it's at cross-country World Cups, getting feedback from cross-country athletes, whether it's me getting stuff from the instructors or our free ski team. We have 25 athletes in the U.S. and, and a bigger global team as well. We work with the U.S. ski team, ASIA, National Ski Patrol. And so a lot of it is iterative based on their feedback. And so at the end of the year, we aggregate all of that data and send it back to the design team for future use, right? But there's the other side of it, which is the, the style and the, the material side, which means that our design team is also going back to our tanneries, back to our suppliers saying, hey, what else can we do? What materials can we create in-house? We have an in-house waterproof breathable membrane. We have uh, pulled out some of the nasty stuff from the tanning process and pulled chrome out of some of our leathers. So we have a leather called Echo Queer, which is a chrome-free tanned leather that is a lot more eco-friendly. So essentially, we call it vegetable tanning. We use tree bark and other natural greases to grease the leather and repel water without using all of the chemicals that would be in there otherwise. So it's always this process is multifaceted, and you're getting all of these points of feedback and kind of synthesizing that into what the next step might be. Even taking that even further, look, taking what you just said and you know applying it to what I was thinking when I was going through the site, look, through all your different designs, I guess you don't even necessarily need to just hold yourself to one paradigm. I guess you know a new category arises and you just 
pave the way, you blaze the trail for that specific category. It's interesting. I know talking to a couple other manufacturers, not specifically gloves, just you know brands in general, that there's like this worry, this line where having too many options makes it difficult to connect. Do you find that you have to kind of rein it in and control a little bit what you do offer? Or have you found success with just like kind of running the gamut, hitting everything and just putting everything out there? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, we have 400 models, as I mentioned before, and, and that's, you know, I, I like to think that, you know, every, every one of those models has a user, but inevitably you come to a point where there is some overlap, right? And, and my job as the marketing manager is being able to articulate through the brand's communications which gloves are right for which users. And so our goal is more than anything to take those users and connect them with the right products. And so making sure that our product information is accurate, making sure that we're articulating the uses of the gloves and the use cases and the users in a way that is compelling and, and that resonates with the correct user is really important to us. Because if you get in the wrong glove, an ill-fitting glove or a glove that's not suited for your activity, it can ruin your day. It can ruin your season. And so you know, we see our primary charge here as connecting users with the right products. And and if we're doing our job right, then we can support a 400 model line. You know, the goal is always to serve users better. And so if, it, if that means 500, 600, or 100 uh, models of gloves, then we're going to do whatever it takes to make sure that we're serving our clients and our users as well as we can. I just popped back on your website. I remembered I really only barely scratched the surface of what you guys have, and it is kind of remarkable. And even like how people are using gloves, like when it comes to like shell gloves and how people are layering just in snow sports, just staying in that, keeping it simple, how people are interacting with that stuff. And obviously the technology materials, fabrics that come out, I guess it's pretty easy to just build and then stem from there. You know, even thinking of liners, people wanting to go in the backcountry, you get wet gloves, you're done. You have to go in, you know, preventing that. It must be kind of cool to have a specialty item and be able to really push the limits of it, test things out, be around long enough to have people who are pushing the limits just in their own sports and say, hey, really take this. This is, a, I guess, a first iteration. See what happens. Is there anything that you've worked on that like, it was, I guess, a riskier design that just didn't really gain any traction? Yeah, I mean, there are lots of times where things that you think will will suit the customer don't. And you know, oftentimes we those things will will get washed out in RD, right? Like over a year process. So we we work on a year cycle. And so obviously we want to be ready for the winter. And, and that means we need to start sewing products early in the year. And so if that means we've got six months of run up and we're rigorously testing that stuff. And generally that stuff washes out before it even gets to the point of production. And people will say, hey, this isn't going to work because of this reason or that reason. And, and luckily we own our own designs, we own our own factories. And so we're nimble enough to make those changes before they go to market. And you know, the flip side of that is that we have 85 years of experience. And so more or less, you know, are able to, to understand the pitfalls and the potential pitfalls and how to design for those things and for those catastrophes. And to your point, layering is key, right? So making sure that your gloves are modular. We have removable liners in a lot of our gloves, and that gives you a lot of autonomy in how you use your products. Do you take out the liner and put in something lighter, something heavier? Do you use an overmit to stave off the elements when you're transitioning or when you're a little less movement-oriented? Or do you select a, a bulkier or a less bulky glove? You know, there's so many options out there. The good thing is you 
not only can you buy a glove off the shelf from Hestra and it's going to do you good. We've got, I've got a pair of gloves in here that's 20 years old that I got sent back to me just because the guy wanted to show off how cool they were and that they were still working at 20 years. And I told him I'm trading for a new pair. So I gave him a new pair. He just sent me those. We know that they'll stand up. We build them to stand up. But the beauty of the line is that you can move through, you can add layers, you can change layers. We're doing a lot of layering in our athletes right now. So case in point, Cody Townsend, who is a prolific free skier, also just a wonderful human being, is doing the 50 project. So he's skiing, climbing skiing, 50 classic ski descents in North America. It's a coffee table book. He's working his way through all of them. No one has ever done it. And he is doing a lot of content this year for us based around his experiences and the pieces that he uses. And I'm all about pulling those liners out, using a different liner, using a different overmit, and finding what works best for you. So we can't solve for every case. Though we try, and there are a lot of really good products off the shelf, there are also opportunities to tweak, and there are people out there who love to do that. So we want to leave cases open for that as well. It's interesting. You made me think about this mentioning working with Cody Townsend, but even with like winter photographers, anyone who's making content in a snow sports setting, at a point, sometimes you got to take off your gloves and like having that liner ready that can still work on touchscreen or do whatever without having to actually expose skin if it's like bulletproof cold outside. That's huge. I'm still waiting for, and I've, I do feel like this is going to come sometime soon where there's going to be no smartwatch. It's going to be your glove and you can actually just like use your glove as a smartwatch. We'll get there. <laughs> there's a lot of technology coming around out there with different RFID and all kinds of different tracking mechanisms and things like that within your uh, your plus, whether it's just to find your lost you know, products or to track your mileage or analytics, things like that. Even product feedback is now something that people are considering and brands are considering to bake into some of the technologies um, and, and to some of the garments that we have. And to that point, one of the coolest things we're doing this year, which we'll launch in October, is called the Tactility Heat Liner which is heated, it uses heated thread. So it's one of the world's thinnest heated liners and it can literally go under any glove. So you can turn any glove into a heated glove. And historically, heated cables and electronics have been baked into gloves where they can't be removed or they're in a, a liner that has a higher loft. And so they can't fit under a lot of other gloves. And so this year we're launching something that is a very thin solution, uses a heated thread actually instead of a cables and is able to be put and used alongside any glove that we offer. Does that mean that it's electronic? Is it battery powered or? Yeah, so there's a battery pack that can be transferred. So we worked with a company called Inuhi out of Scandinavia, and they have a battery pack that can be put onto the gloves, put onto your socks. I think they also are working with some companies who are doing heated base layers. And the coolest thing about it is that it's, it's app-based and there's a tactile way to, to manipulate it. So you can change the settings on the battery, but there's also an app and the app lets you preheat the gloves for five minutes before you go out. So if you are out about to go out and you want to make sure you maximize your heat, it preheats them. It can recognize when you're going uphill versus downhill and can change the settings automatically. So if you're going up the lift, it bumps up the heat. If you're skiing and generating your own heat, it bumps down the heat. It can tell you how long your glove heat will last at any setting that it has. So there's 10 settings and it can tell you at any setting how long you have of heated you know, glove use for that day and, uh, and a lot of other really cool features. So we're really excited about that. I think that's the next evolution is being able to find a glove that suits you, but also know that you can up the ante and up the warmth we need to through something that is super thin slides under any glove. It sounds cool. And even just being able to keep something like that battery powered 
then I feel like it'd be pretty easy to easy. I use that term lightly, but like shoehorn some other interesting pieces again, like for tracking or whatever. When I think of battery powered, like a, I don't know the best way to put it, I guess glove heater inserts or something like that. Part of me, like an alarm goes off where I think like it, it might be kind of gimmicky. How do you fight that? I mean, I know that clearly like it's something that you put a lot of work into when it comes to actually developing a product that really technical people will even get behind. How do you fight, I guess, pre-existing lack of buy-in from new technology? Yeah, so it goes back to who are you designing the glove for, right? And we have so many, I, our customer service team has dozens and dozens and dozens, probably hundreds of emails from people who have brain nods or who have circulatory issues who have purchased our heated products and have said, hey, these kept me on the mountain on days when I could never have done that before. And so being able to service those customers in a way that's meaningful is really special to us. And, and we build for those customers. And not to say that heated products are only built for people with runouts. Maybe you run a little bit colder and you want to stay out longer, right? Or, or maybe you're going out in really adverse conditions for whatever reason, and you need something that's going to generate heat when you're not able to. Because your body can only generate so much heat, right? And, and if you're working really hard, your body will generate heat. But if the conditions are, are really cold or maybe if your apparel is letting you down or whatever the case may be, then maybe you do need that extra little bump. And I think the, you know, the general perception has come from people who are generating a lot of their own heat who may not need a heated product. And so really it's about, again, it goes back to building for those users and then also setting the right expectation. Hey, this is the type of skier you are and these are the gloves we built for you. And so making sure that we're doing our job and articulating the message of this glove is for these types of people. And we have enough gloves that are built for every type of user. And so every glove is not for every user and it shouldn't be because they're not one size fits all. But the beauty of it is that there is something for everyone and those heated gloves serve a very distinct purpose and a very distinct group. I do really like that sentiment. And I kind of apply with a lot of different things where it's really hard to say that this is the best thing. This is the one best thing, especially when you have a endless amount of people with varying needs. And being able to meet that is kind of remarkable without crossing over, without stepping on your own toes, still pushing everything forward. Yeah, I think we're like in this era of personalization, right? And we expect more of our brands and of our products. And, and so that's one of the things we're trying to stay on the front foot with is understanding that people will have very distinct needs for their products. There are skiers are not just skiers. I tell my athletes this all the time. You guys are not one athlete group. You all have your own attributes, right? And some of you run hot, some of you run cold, some of you are cross country, some of you are backcountry, some of you are splitboarders, some of you are free skiers, some of you only go hilly skiing and film. And so there's a lot of use cases within a seemingly homogenous group, right? And so we tend to lump all skiers together or all snowboarders together or all snowmobilers together. And in reality, within each one of those groups is a subset of users who need a specific type of product. And so our goal is to dig down to that core level and figure out, okay, how can we best serve this population with, with a range of products that can fit every need? You raise a good point. I mean, for starters, your range of products spans from like the most technical professional top of the line, really out there people down to people who are just looking for easy resort skiing, not as technical needs. With working with so many high level athletes, what does that relationship look like in terms of not just sponsorship, things like that? Obviously, that's always helpful to show that your gloves are great, but more so what kind of community, I guess, exists around 
your gloves between your athletes, your customer base, and you? It's a really interesting mix. And when we moved to, so I has been in the USA for about 17 years. The first contracts we signed when we moved here were with NSP, so National Ski Patrol, and PSIA, Professional Ski Instructors of America, and AASI, which is the snowboard arm of PSIA. And that speaks to the intention, right? And the intention is to put the gloves on the hardest users. Our cornerstone, like flagship glove in the whole line is called the Army Leather Heli Ski. And that glove was actually created over a dinner conversation with one of the owners of CMH Heli Skiing many, many moons ago. And our owner sat down with him and he was like, hey, I like what you're doing, but our guys need something different. And so that created and spurred on the creation of the heli. Those kinds of conversations, those off the cuff, like, hey, here's what I need type of conversations with those core groups of users are super important. So whether it is our athletes, and we have an athlete summit every year where we go through the line in depth together. We talk through each category and we get really into the nitty gritty. Like, hey, here's what to expect from these. Here's what I think would work best for you. We sit there and, and go through every piece of it with them. And so we know we get them into the right thing. And at the end of the year, we hear back. Was it the right thing? Did it hit the mark? Did it not? The consumer community is the same way. So we have this really great relationship between all of the parts of our user base where we have these mechanisms to come back and say, this hit the mark, this didn't. How can we make it better? Or, hey, this was awesome. I'm wearing Hester forever. You know, we love you guys. And those are the things we love to hear. No, I think there really is this attention to feedback and attention to how do we close this feedback loop and how do we continue to propel the brand forward even after 85 years? And, and it's really about that feedback. Speaking of, I know one of the ways we were talking about this a little bit beforehand is you guys have a just a, your own specific way of sizing. Is that something that you guys came up with on your own? I guess for the listener, can you tell us a little bit more about that and just how you developed that sizing method? Yeah, absolutely. So when you're wearing gloves, fit is very, very important. And one of the things that I've talked about a lot since I started working for the brand is fit as a feature. And so if you're going to say that fit is a feature for us and you've got to step to the table and you really have to make it precise. And so for us, we follow the, uh, the French tradition of glove cutting where we use numerical sizing. So if you look down at your feet, the shoes you have on are definitely not small, medium, large, or extra large size because that's not precise enough for your feet. The things you do with your hands are much more precise than the things you do with your feet. And the fit is that much more important. And so you're not going to wear small, medium, large, extra large gloves when you put on a extra glove. You're going to wear a six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11. And that's a more precise fitting glove that allows for the proper amount of air inside the glove to, that your body can warm up, but not too much air that you can't warm it up and not too little where you're going to lose circulation. So there is this aspect of fit that is super important in every single model we do and making sure that that's consistent across the line. So if you're wearing a nine and a tight fitting glove, you should also be wearing a nine and a loose fitting glove. And those are designed to fit in certain ways for the end use case, which we've talked about. It's little details like that, that I always love to see, because I mean, I kind of alluded to this type of situation, but it's like, you know, you have a glove and you never really think about how loose or tight it is, like how much articulation, as long as you're covered and warm, it's fine. Then you go to like grab your phone or grab something out of your pocket and you're like, man, I hate these gloves. I got to take them off. Dialing that in, getting that down, zooming in that hard on a product and like really looking at like, what does this mean? What kind of situations can arrive from X, Y, and Z? It's just incredible to kind of see that level of detail. I guess it makes sense. You guys have been doing it for nearly a century. Would you guys 
ever venture into other things or are you pretty strictly gloves? From day one, we've only made gloves. And I think we will only ever make gloves. It's, it's not for lack of opportunity to do other things, but I think there's this internal dedication to the craft of glove making and to doing one thing and doing it really, really well. And I think there are a lot of companies out there who are realizing that and pressing into specialty segments and, and really narrowing the scope of what they do and focusing on how can we do this and do this better. Case in point, Cody Townsend, who I mentioned before, he owns a belt company called Arcade. And all they do is make belts. And they make fantastic belts. If you haven't tried one, they're amazing. You should definitely pick one up. But you're seeing that all over the industry. You're seeing companies like Rumpel who are doing just blankets. You're seeing CL on the uh, running side. who They basically only make running hats. And they're fantastic. You're seeing a lot of companies do some really cool things. Yeti, you know, really focusing on drinkware. Um, and, and so I think this dedication to doing a singular thing has legs. And I think people can appreciate a company that is known for one thing. And, and we like that aspect. And we really want to leverage that more and more because we're not done yet. And there's a lot, a lot, a lot of development left to be done in this space. And so uh, I think our design team comes in every day and learns more and thinks more and iterates more and has years of plans into the future on what could we possibly do with new materials, with sustainability, with you know, new construction techniques, and really how do we serve people better and better and better? Where's the market going to go next? What are users going to need? How can we keep more people's hands warm without them having to take off their gloves? How can we get people to manipulate and do fine motor tasks with their gloves on rather than taking their gloves off and losing all that valuable heat? I think there's so, so many things we can do. And it's not even in the company's consciousness to, to do anything else. I know I said it a little bit tongue in cheek, but I really do think that we will have smart gloves that just like you can just see your mobile device and access it right on the glove. We'll see. I'm looking at you guys. Wait for that. <laughs> I'll see what I can do. <laughs> Perfect. Speaking of you, you mentioned this a couple of times previously, but I know that you do try to push the limits in this way. You mentioned in your production process, but what is your commitment to sustainability? What does that look like? Absolutely. Um, you know, one of the beauties of being a Swedish company is that for many, many years, Sweden has really focused on sustainability and, and Scandinavia at large. So I think Oslo is trying to go, yeah, I think 95% emissions free in the next decade. So there's really a dedication to how can we make the most of this environment that we have and these materials that we have. And so there are a few key things that we do at Astra that set us apart. So one is generational relationships with tanneries who get their products through other industries. And so a lot of our leathers are byproducts of other industries. So we're not often harvesting animals for the gloves. We are buying hides from other industries who aren't going to use them. And we're working with tanneries who are pushing the limits of sustainability in terms of tanning process, like I mentioned with the vegetable tanning. Uh, we're launching a new chrome-free goat leather this year. And goat is one of our absolute favorite materials. It is super supple and durable. We've used it for military applications. And so pressing into that a little bit more, we are ISO certified. We're doing a lot of things in terms of BSCI, which is uh, social impact, and uh, making sure that our factories are up to specification and really treating our employees well, because those employees are history employees. We are on factories. So those guys are as much history employee as I am and really focused on that as well. So I think there are a lot of things going on behind the scenes that you don't see in terms of sustainability and a focus on the environment and social issues. But 
but also you'll see a lot more things coming down publicly over the next year in terms of um, us talking about what's going on at the factories and being transparent about those things and, and really starting to share the stories of the people who are making the gloves and the factories that are putting out these best-in-class products. So we are very much a work in progress, as is every company, but I think the dedication to sustainability has been there since day one and really looking back to sourcing local wool and local leather to serve local people is a really good microcosm of, of what we're trying to do now. The way you answer that is exactly why I asked that question, because I, I feel like it's really easy for a customer to look at a brand and say, oh, they're making something that's that's not good for the environment. It's really rare that you get a serious look at what goes on behind the scenes. And it's you know not always easy to find that balance while still being able to you know provide something that's needed, especially like leather, recycling, grabbing other byproducts from uh, other industries to kind of keep the life cycle more closed. That to me is the most interesting thing because you think, oh, you have to get leather somewhere. Leather is, you know, one of the primary materials that you guys use. It's used for a very good reason. How do you make that sustainable? Oh, well, that that's how. Yeah, I find that really interesting. We talk about quality and every brand talks about quality, but you know, the reality for us is that sustainability starts with building a good product that will last for a long time. And so it talks about earlier about removable liners. And that's part of our sustainability story because if you Treat your gloves well. So we use leather balm on all of our leather gloves and we have great instructions on that. And that helps the leather last a really long time. So we have people routinely wearing their gloves into their 10th or 20th season of use. And if you treat the gloves well, they're going to last way longer. And I think that's one of the tipping points that we've seen, the evolutions that we've seen in terms of sustainability is that brands are doing the best that they can and are really trying to push the envelope in terms of like, how can we create a sustainable product? How do we have sustainable processes? How can we minimize our impact? But also when that glove or that product leaves the warehouse and goes to the user, now the user and as users, we have a duty to to take care of our products. And so what we're trying to do at Astra is really give the users tools to maintain those products over many, many years. Because if you maintain your gloves, they're going to last you a long, long time. And so part of that is leather bombing your gloves periodically. And the other part of that, and actually every pair of gloves that has leather comes with a sample of leather balm that will last you two to three applications. So we're putting our, our money where our mouth is there. You're going to get that as an all natural product. You can see the ingredients around there. It's all natural. And then the other side of that is when your gloves do pack out, which inevitably they will, your shelves are usually still in good shape, but you can pull out that packed out liner and replace it, which is much more sustainable and much more cost effective and make sure gloves last for a really long time. So we're trying to find ways to make those gloves just stretch further and further and further into the future. That's something that the customer would want. I mean, again, I'm speaking mostly for me, but looking at some of the personality types in the outdoor industry, like DIY is really big. So giving the customer an opportunity to have control over what they own and you know have some responsibility. I think there's an appreciation there where they know that part of the quality and part of the longevity is in their hands where it's like a really like honest, like here's the best we can do. You also, I mean, the consumer, you, the consumer, here's what you can do to get the most out of this. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think from a you know, skiers and snowboarders perspective, we find ourselves, you know, October one hits and we're like in our garage, waxing our board or our skis. And we take pride in that. And and so I think there is this aspect of, you know, ownership and of kind of like earning it a little bit that, that we love and we, we love earning our turns and, and really find identity in that. You know, there's a lot to be said for 
owning your things and for preserving your things and really kind of taking autonomy in the process of extending the life of said things. And I love that ideal, especially coming from a brand that puts so much emphasis on construction. I mean, our Hilly Glove has 109 parts per pair. It takes an hour and a half for us to put together. So there's a painstaking process that goes to creating these products. And I love the balance of having on the consumer side, the ability to really like give a little bit to your products as well and to extend the life and care for them and to see them go well into the future, right? Yeah. It's stuff exactly like that. You touch on a lot of things that I think it's easy for people to miss looking at a brand that's been around for forever. And it's not that you were the first brand to start making like truly technical stuff. It's that you had the time to do it right. And it's easy to forget or just not even really think about what that means and what level of detail comes back to the detail detail that you guys can touch to make sure that you're doing it right. And in a way that will satisfy your customers in terms of, I guess, like the aesthetic, the less technical side of it, what has it been like helping and guiding the brand to develop? Is it clear? Do you feel like you occasionally have to do like a bit of a facelift to stick with the times or has it been pretty easy to stay steady with one voice? Yeah. Yeah. I think the cool thing is our designer, head designer, Marianne has been with the company for decades. And so there is some cohesion in terms of design direction, but the beauty of it is that she has a team of folks around her who can bring different designs. And so if you look on the dress side specifically, there are some wild things that we do with gloves and materials and we're using some chamois now. We are going in a little bit more of a rugged direction where things used to be super clean, streamlined, sleek looking. People want a little more texture now and want something that's a little more streetwear oriented. And so on that side of the business, you're seeing some really cool things happen where they're, they're pushing the envelope and they're doing some stuff with like fingerless gloves for early season and unlined gloves for the fall and the spring and really pushing the gloves to be a you know, six or eight month a year option. And that's really cool to see. And on the sports side, I think it's interesting because a lot of it is utilitarian driven. So it's not a style forward uh, design process. It's really function driven. But a lot of times that leads to a really beautiful product. People love the look of the gloves, leather and the grain and the patina that you get over time. I, I just talked to so many skiers who have had their gloves and they're like, oh, I've had these gloves for 15 years. Look at them, you know, and, and they're molded perfectly to their hands. And I think and that's on that side of the business, it's more of a badge of honor, right? It's like, I broke these in. I've been there. I've spent the time and the effort and been out there skiing a lot of turns to make these gloves what they are. And they only get better with time. And so uh, I think it's really interesting to, to play between the two. Like the dress side is very fashion forward and the, the sports side is very much a child function. People love it on both sides. I know exactly what you're talking about with the whole like, oh, like I've had this for forever. Like, look how... Well traveled says like that that's hilarious. I know exactly a couple of my friends stick out in my mind. That's interesting. I you're right. I mean, there is personality in pretty much almost every single pair that you guys have. It's not really clear cut. It's not just like same shade, same cut. So it's cool that you still maintain some individuality within your lines, right? And without having to like go and be like too steezy or too like wild. Have you ever made any high fashion? Oh yeah, we have quite a few. So at the highest end of our dress line is the table cut collection, which are all hand cut by master certified glove cutters. They are very much the pinnacle of, of luxury. So, you know, the peccary gloves that we have are $425 at retail. 
they are, I mean, absolute butter when you put your hands in these things. They are absurd. <laughs> it's in our team too, Milan Fashion Week. They are looking at the trends. They are putting together things. So you'll see stuff that's, you know, wild colors or super uh, interesting materials or different takes on gloves with you know, zippers. And, and there's all kinds of different design aspects that are really pressed into new areas and new things we've never tried before. And and I love that experimentation we see on that side of the brand. And sometimes that stuff gets pushed over to the other side. It's really cool to see the interplay between the dress side and the sports side and, and the work side. That is a really good point, especially when it comes down to big events, like when the Olympics come around, the Winter Olympics, there's always like, oh, like this is what is each athlete, what is each team going to be doing? I just found them on your website. They are much more, I was expecting like only zippers like a, an entire glove made of zippers or something like super ostentatious, but they actually <laughs> right, look right. really awesome. Yeah, they are. They still have to function, right? Yeah. We'll draw the line there. We do need them to function. I don't know that we'll be doing much of what I call like the, the concept car phenomenon. We do push the limits to some degree, but function is where we draw the line. We're getting down to the wire here. It looks like I have time for only a couple more questions. Hestra's been a pretty solid household name in the snow sport industry, especially, right? I mean, literally year after you guys started, you said yourself, you went right there and kind of stuck in there. Do you feel that there's some kind of responsibility or do you feel like you guys, I guess, lead the zeitgeist of the industries you're a part of? Where do you see Hestra fits within, I guess, the narrative of the snow sport industry or like the climbing industry, just the different niches that you're a part of? The hope for us is that everything is built upon the basis of glove making, right? And doing what we do and being authentic in the spaces in which we operate. And so where we want to be is a complement to, to the best brands that are already there and a complement to the, the kit that the users have, right? And so at the end of the day, you know, one of the things I'm pushing for here is that gloves, I, I want gloves no longer to be thought of as an accessory. I think they're more than that. I think they can make or break your day more than a lot of the parts of your kit. And so, you know, what we're trying to do is move gloves into a higher level of consciousness within each of those spaces. So whether it's style and saying like, hey, you've got this outfit, but you want to put it over the top, well, here's an opportunity for that. Or, hey, you're going mountaineering and you have these bulky, baggy, terrible gloves, that's going to ruin your day and probably ruin your objective. And so here's something that can help you accomplish that. Or you're going skiing on the resort with your family during spring break. You go skiing once a year. You paid lots of money to get there. Help us preserve those runs and those days out on the hill because those are precious and those are once a year for you. And we want you to make the most of those. And so really becoming a part of the conversation in terms of how can we help and how can gloves help your day succeed or your, your objective succeed, whatever that may be. And being in those conversations is really important to us and, and really trying to operate as the expert in our field within each of those use groups. And so that's super important to us. And one of the cool things about entering all these new spaces is that Nestra is actually born out of one of the most entrepreneurial regions in the world. And so if you look at Sweden at large and also in Smallland, which is where Hestra resides, you see IKEA was founded there. Volvo was founded there. A lot of really big, prolific, long-term companies were born out of those places. And entrepreneurialism is really a big part of that. And so what you see within our company is people taking and saying like, hey, let's push into this space, let's push into that space and leading the charge and being able to really get authenticity in those places because we're driven to, to be a part of them 
and there is an authentic entry there and we're partnering with people in those spaces and, and really driven to, to do more and expand, right? And to be expand in a way that makes sense for Hester and us within what we do. In a lot of ways, it's not even expansion. It's taking this specialty profession, glove cutting. Like no one's ever heard of glove cutting specifically because they think directly of the brand. But as a profession, you're hanging on to this expertise where you can bring it with you, like this technical expertise. How does a thing like that come to be? And it's more than just fabric sewn together. And I feel like you guys really do a good job of of showing that. Yeah, I think there's, I'm listening to a book right now actually called... uh, Shop class as soul craft. The premise of the book is this hearkening back to the roots and the rewards of tactile work, right? And, and of having your hands on and being able to understand the products and the processes that create the things that we use every day and really having a connection with them. So I think that's why the leather bombing and the care of the gloves really takes hold with people who who are appreciating that reward, right? And same thing with waxing your own skis. And I think that's what Hester brings to the table, right? It's, it's this, this old kind of artisan approach to a product that we see everywhere. And, you know, we're lucky that we've helped try to preserve this approach for all the years. But that's why Hester, when Hester comes and sits to the table, that's what we bring with us, right? Is that expertise. And then we have a conversation, you and I, about, well, what is it that you need? And here's how we can get there. And that's the beauty of the brand is that this expertise can be applied broadly but authentically. And that's a really unique opportunity for us. And you guys have been around long enough to have the resources to put your money where your mouth is and deliver it to. Absolutely. That's special in and of itself. Man, that's great. Last question for you. What's the best part about working with Hestra? There are a lot of brands and a lot of companies around the world that are operating for a multitude of reasons. And as an employee, you always want your reasons and your values to line up with that of the brand. When I come into the office every day, I one, I'm two and a half miles from my office at home, so it's great. It's a short commute. <laughs> but I can look out to the east and I can see the Denver skyline. I can look out to the west. I can see the Front Range and, and Mount Evans and, and Long's Peak and Pikes Peak. And really, geographically, we're situated in a great place, but also from a brand perspective. This brand practices what it preaches. I can pick up the phone and call the CEO anytime, day or night, and he's going to answer I go running with him when I'm in Sweden and we're running buddies. And the company has a familial environment. And that's something that's lost a lot of times in bigger brands and, and in just today's culture. And I think we're trying to harken back to that, but we really live that out. I know who I work for every day. I know the family and all of them. We can communicate freely. And there's a lot to be said for having that dedication to your people. The other side from the business perspective is that we own everything we do. So we own the designs. We have generational relationships with our tanneries. We own our factories. And we today, actually, we just, it is September 23rd, 2021. So we just opened our third concept store in Copenhagen. And so our team from Sweden is down in Copenhagen today opening that shop. And so not only are we able to own design manufacturing, we also have great retail partners and we're able to open shops around the world to serve customers. And I just think it's, it's a super unique brand. Our sales director, uh, Mark, likes to call it a, a unicorn that we're for. I'd say that's totally fair. Congratulations on opening the third concept store. That's awesome. That's huge. Yeah, thanks. We're super excited about it. It's always fun to uh, dig into the new metros. And I think Copenhagen's a really good fit for the brand as well. Just a great historical, really aesthetic uh, Northern European community. So really, really excited to see that store take off. 
Yeah, that plus, I mean, like the history of design culture within it too, is just like, that makes so much sense. And I'm sure like the cherry on top that is almost dumb for me to even say, but you, you always have warm hands. We do. We do. Work for Astra. Absolutely. <laughs> Drew, thanks so much for coming on, connecting and sharing the story and a little bit more behind Hestra. For the listener who is interested in finding more, maybe picking up a pair of gloves, where's the best place for them to head? We have a wonderful network of retail partners across the U.S. So you can find us at almost any ski based and sporting goods stores, outdoor stores across the country. EstherGloves.com online. Our concept stores in Stockholm, Oslo, Copenhagen, and Gothenburg coming next month. For the listener, if you haven't noticed or seen Hester Gloves now, you are going to see them everywhere. I almost guarantee it. <laughs> Absolutely. They are hard to miss. Thanks again, Drew. Thanks. Hey, Ready Eddie podcast listeners, if you enjoyed today's episode, then I would be incredibly appreciative if you could log on to iTunes and leave us a quick review. This really helps us get noticed by other podcast listeners like yourself. And if you know anyone that would benefit from this episode, then please share it along. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Ready Eddie podcast. I'll catch you next week.